our newest episode of the All Talk Podcast. I'm Michael Whalen, and with me is guest co-host Ryan Thompson. Hey, thanks for having me. And and the topic today is Star Wars. This potentially could be a multi-parter, also with multi-people, much like Star Wars itself. But we shall see. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm sure we can just talk about Star Wars in its entirety in like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, perfectly. Yeah, absolutely not podcasts that are dedicated to just Star Wars <laughs> that have been going on for years and years and years. Anyway, we're better than them. Yeah. Us and all five of our listeners, probably yeah. friends and family. Anyway, uh, yeah. <clears throat> moving along, though. Yeah, uh, I guess we should probably start with the obvious question. So when did you first become a Star Wars fan? Or what was your first brush with it, I guess? Yeah, yeah not necessarily so, the same thing. So I, I got it from my dad. Um, and I, the first film I remember seeing was Return of the Jedi on hmm. crappy VHS. Uh, and I watched it so many times it started wearing out the VHS. And then hmm. I eventually went back and watched the first two. Um, and I was probably maybe six or seven, I guess, uh, at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but my dad, he was, he, he was a youth minister when, uh, a new hope came out and he went and saw it with his buddy. They drove over an hour to get to the theater where it was showing. And he was so blown away by it. And so just dumbfounded by the special effects and by the story itself, he immediately mm. drove the hour back, went and got some of the kids from his youth group and told them we're going to see this movie. And he drove them back again for another showing uh, to get them to watch it um, and so my love of star wars and enjoyment of it definitely comes from my dad as for me uh the irony here is my first brush with star wars was actually from the toys that were basically kind of just handed down to me from my older brothers i don't even know that i knew they were star wars toys at the time but whatever it was a lot were of you, were you like did you have like Star Wars toys with Ninja Turtles with GI Joe, all in a in a mesh there? I don't know if I quite cross pollinated to that degree. Also, Ninja <laughs> Turtles weren't quite a thing at that point. But yeah, right. Uh, I do remember there being a little bit of cross pollination. Now you mentioned it between Luke Skywalker and He Man. Nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, can't remember whatever wonderful story my three year old mind conjured up at the time. <laughs> Uh, but that was my first brush with them. And I remember at the time there was also, I think there was that movie, the Ewok adventure, which I think was like a TV mm-hmm. movie that mm-hmm. involved the Ewoks. So ironically, the first thing I saw regarding star Wars that was, I guess in celluloid form was the one that a whole lot of people kind of resent. Now the movie that's completely about the little planet of teddy bears that helped overthrow the death star. Right. Matter of fact, I think that's how I first, Saw and it wasn't even sadly it wasn't even a New Hope. Uh, the first Star Wars movie I saw was Empire Strikes Back, and mm. it was a case of I think my brother was going to whatever the video store was at whatever time to rent something, and I requested one of the Ewok movies. Again, I was three, so mm. anyone out there listening, give me a break. Uh, and he came back was basically well, they didn't have the Ewok movie here. The Empire Strikes Back, watch that. <laughs> and I did, and boy, was my mind blown. Right. So that was my first introduction. Of course, you know, afterwards, so are there more of these? Yeah, there's definitely more of them. There's two others. That's actually the second one. Nice. Well, let's get on it. So, yeah, that was, I guess that was my basically my first brush with it, and that's why I became a fan. Yeah, we'll save the toy talk a little bit. I was going to say, but I remember, you know, running around being big into Star Wars around that time. So I guess that would have been probably maybe right at around the time Return of the Jedi came out or a little after, but I'd never saw any of the original ones in the theater, not in their, shall we say, first incarnation. No, no, in the re release. Yeah. Saw the special editions, but we'll, we'll save that for now. And, and Michael, you're so, a few yeah. years older than me. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, just like three years older than me, I think. Um, but just a wee bit, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to remember, like, when Return of the Jedi actually came out. Was it 84? I believe it was 83. 
83. Uh, okay. I suppose we could do a quick on-air Google search, double no, check that. So, I mean, <laughs> it was probably 89 before I saw it, because uh, it was just after we had come back to the U.S. I'd been, I was born in Germany, and we had been living there four years. So, in a sense, like I, I, there was a lot of American culture that I missed out on, and coming back, that was kind of one of the first things I remember. Uh, my dad going, "Oh, great! Now I can finally show you this." Uh, and it was really mm. of Americana. I finally got to latch onto as a kid. Not that I would know that as a kid, but um, yeah, the, the first first one I remember. That's one of the interesting things that comes up with my actually with my general co-host a lot. Just a lot of the conveniences that we have nowadays that we take for granted, and mm. what you described being one of them. You know, yeah. Now you want to watch a movie? Yeah, oh, it's pretty easy. It's probably out there streaming. You can buy. You can maybe rent it for three dollars and play it on your TV, your computer, what have you. But yeah, back then, it's like, if you wanted something, a lot of times you had to go out and actively hunt for it. And as you mentioned, you're growing up in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess it was kind of a worldwide phenomenon, but still, apparently, not mm -hmm. so much that you could easily get it. So, right. I think for me, uh, I think they were rented, but I might have actually seen Return of the Jedi for the first time when it was airing on television as well. Mm -hmm. and again kind of to what we were speaking of earlier you know th this is how life was back then yeah yeah and when i say vhs was my first experience i mean like taped from tv vhs right uh, so not like even it like it was on tv you know, and you press yeah. record not right yeah not even the box version yeah yeah because like even back then it's like yes a lot of people on vcrs but owning a v owning like a copy of a movie was kind of a rare thing yeah right or there was the old trick that people used to do, you know, where they would take like a blank tape and record like five or six movies onto it, which that's right. Many of my favorites, that's they're still around there somewhere because I think mm -hmm. we knew somebody who worked at a video store who did that. And I think it's a federal crime, but like everyone did it. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, if, if Empire was your your first exposure, uh, is mm -hmm. Empire therefore your favorite Star Wars film? It is my favorite. But that's not necessarily why. I just sure. truly believe it is the basically the best film of actually have to sit there and think in my head, how many do we have? Obviously, we have the nine main ones, but, you know, we've got the little side stories and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I think it's basically head and shoulders above just about everything else, except maybe for the first one. Really? And new yeah, A New Hope or as I grew up calling it, Star Wars because it's time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This was before you had the episode four, episode five, episode six, uh -huh. et cetera. Yeah. I didn't even know they had episode numbers. I just knew them by their film titles. Yeah. Which is not really worth delving into, but there are some, I still to this day have a tendency to refer to the first one as Star Wars, just Star yeah. Wars. And a lot of right. times people will be like, do you mean a new hope? And it's like, no, I mean, Star Wars, <laughs> the first movie, the one that was nominated for an Oscar under the title Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. Um, I did not know that Star Wars was nominated for an Oscar for special best effects picture. or best picture. Ah, best picture. No kidding. Yeah. And by the way, to answer your earlier question, yes, it was '83 when Jedi came ah, out. Thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah, uh, back to the Empire Strikes Back, though. Yeah, uh, that's always been my favorite. I think a big part of the reason why really is because, I mean. Obviously, Revenge of the Jedi has quite a bit of darkness, too. It's basically the culmination of a tragedy, but it was of the original three. I thought, you know, with it being kind of the darkest, it seemed like it was the most serious minded of them. And, you know, you have the big revelation and it just I guess it just it captured me in a way that the others just never quite did. Not that yeah. I didn't enjoy them, but it's like I could just there was something about me that was like, okay, this one's a little better. I can really even explain think, why. Well, I think for me it was in the um, in the Empire Strikes Back is when we see actual developments happening mm -hmm. within the characters beyond just the initial foray into the adventure with Star Wars, but we see Luke developing and, and wanting to become a Jedi, but not being there emotionally yet. You have mm -hmm. the big reveal, but it's, um, I, and also I always like I always like the struggle in in a story um, more so than the final climax. So mm -hmm. when we see the heroes down and under, when they're they're being hunted by the the Empire, 
um, and the empire is very obviously still very strong. Um, mm. That's the that's the part of the story I always like to see is how do the the heroes respond during that time, um, and then we see them kind of rise and then respond in Return of the Jedi. Mm. And the thing is, it's actually kind of common in trilogies, both with me and apparently with a lot of people, if you kind of look down the line, it seems like generally the most interesting thing tends to kind of happen right there in the middle, which is usually part two. Right. right. Dark Knight would be another good example of that. And, but yeah, that's, I mean, everything you said, that's basically how I feel just for some reason I'm having trouble articulating, but I'm also kind of trying to explain like why even then it was my favorite. And, but I didn't have I will say, vocabulary when I was three, well, but yeah. yeah, I will say, um, return of the Jedi stuck with me as my favorite for a long time because it was my first exposure and the, mm-hmm. the green versus red lightsaber and the, the, the way they shot that fight sequence in the death star was mm-hmm. so emblematic of star Wars in my mind. And so, like, everything else I saw compared yeah. to that duel. And to me, that was the most epic duel of the, the first three. Mm-hmm. While I love the one on, on Cloud City, it still just felt more illuminated. Everything's just right there in front of you, whereas mm-hmm. everything's hidden in sh- shadow in, um, in Return of the Jedi. And it's Luke finally coming to grips with, in some ways, almost almost touching the dark side. Um, as he fights and then finally ultimately reject. Um, yeah. So and drawing me, the line. Was, yeah. I, I love that. And it stayed with me. And of course I was a kid, so I loved um, seeing all the walkers um, in the jungle. And I love seeing, I mean, people can, you know, throw as much shade as they want at, at the inclusion of the Ewoks and rightfully so, but man, did I mm-hmm. love those traps that they set. And I loved seeing the walker get smashed by the two logs and, the other mm-hmm. one tripping and falling like, man, I eat that shit up. You know, I, I loved it. And the thing is, not that I'm a huge giant fan of the Ewoks by any stretch of mm. imagination, but uh, I think it kind of depends on the age you were. If mm-hmm. you were, I don't know, a 14 year old, somewhat cynical teenager by that point, And you see yeah. this. Yeah, you're probably not going to enjoy it or latch on to it quite the way a three-year-old might not or, or, yeah, sure. or quite the way a three-year-old might and there's a decent average chance that if you're uh, in our age range it will not bother you at all i mean right okay also the care bears is on and the set and why would this bother me you know your kid yeah and which is again one of those kind of things people tend to forget occasionally about star wars like it is for all ages it's right. not serious adult X, Y, Z. But to that point, uh, I remember another thing that I liked about Return of the Jedi, at least at that point, was also, you know, Luke quote unquote wins, even though yeah. there's obviously a lot more complexity to that. You know, he, and even though he wins, he still loses his father. Um, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he, he saves him, but he still loses. Him. So well, I actually still... meant like in the most literal of senses, like he wins, like he. Yeah wins the fight, takes his hand off, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then, you know, has that moment where he's about to strike him down. And then, as you mentioned, kind of has a crisis of conscience and yeah. that's all the character building happens. Yeah. You know, like when he, he really finally did. fully grows into himself. But, uh, I remember that being just again at that age, like that was the big thing to me. It was just kind of like they won. Yay. As opposed yeah. to all the complexity and whatnot that as I watched it when I was older, I was able to more further appreciate yeah. Do you have a do you have a close second for a favorite film? Uh probably in just the first one, A New Hope, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, that's right. Yeah, as the kids these days call it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> and I, th- that's the thing. It's like as far as like what's your favorite Star Wars movie? I don't think there's really any such thing as a wrong answer if you're picking any of the original trilogy. Sure, sure. I think they're all pretty good, pretty neck and neck. Uh, our mutual friend Cameron, I know his is. The original, yeah, Star Wars, yeah. Hope, what have you. Okay, well, so excluding the original trilogy, what other Star Wars films would you say you enjoyed the most? <laughs> Great. Um, Over the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And I liked Rogue One quite a bit. And uh, I also liked Solo. Idea. I think Solo was, in some regards, better than many of the numbered entries of the series most especially 
for example, one, two, and three, but that's another matter. Anyway, right. continue. So, well, yeah, I would easily yeah. put both Rogue One and Solo well above, I think, any of the, the numbered films that we've had since the original trilogy. So disclaimer to anybody who's listening, I don't read a lot of rumors. I don't stay really dialed into the ether as far as what's happening in the world of filmmaking um, so well. Yeah. I've actually gotten to the point where I actively avoid a lot yeah. of that because it's almost impossible to not have, like, you might accidentally scroll down on a Facebook article and somebody just blurted out a spoiler or something. He's like, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. I, I know there's some sense that there were issues with Rogue One in terms of, like, a lot of reshoots happening and some continuity mm -hmm. issues. And then same with Solo. There, there's, um, but, I, I still enjoy and also with episode films. nine, but yeah, uh, but. yes, yeah. But I, I enjoyed those films immensely, and I feel like they told a contained story. And even though like Rogue One had a you know fairly large cast of characters, and it's still you know a, we're building up a team kind of thing, I still appreciated mm. those characters um, more than I did a lot of the characters from the most recent trilogy. Um, yeah, so. I thought it had a. I don't know if I would go. I was going to say Seven Samurai, but really more maybe Ocean's Eleven vibe to it, mm -hmm. to a degree. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I yeah. mean, you kind of know going in, it's a suicide mission, or I did at least. I remember one friend was like, well, what makes you say that? And I was like, well, have you ever heard of these characters since then? No. Because <laughs> yeah. we got a lot of movies that came after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I thought they handled it very well. Um, and like you said, they did a very good job, even in just that one movie of it's like building up people you care about so that when the inevitable does happen, it matters to you. Right. And right. I wish I could say that about all of the Star Wars films, but yeah. Cause I mean, when, when there's a few um, I can't. So. Yeah. And, and focusing on Rogue One, um, the two guardians, the, the Chirrut blind um, martial mm. artist, and then guardians um, of the wills. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his companion's name. Um, I know who you're talking about. Like uh, yeah, the heavy the heavy gun. I can't remember his name. Yeah, right. Uh, they they don't have a lot of lines in the film, but I think they're written well enough that the interactions they do have very clearly show who they are as characters. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're they're the way they meet their end. Like it, I thought was really touching and really well done, mm -hmm. um, and very affirming of the power of the force in in driving people to to hope. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was really good. And also one of those rare cases in the actual film version where you see that there are people who have force powers outside mm. of Jedi and Sith. Right. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's kind of an action speak louder than words thing, but yeah, like even that you have yeah. two characters that under maybe a different director might would have, or maybe played by different actors might wouldn't have left such an impression. And yet they were yeah. able to do that with almost you no, know, not no dialogue, but yeah, very little yeah. sparse compared to some of the others. One of the other things right. I really liked about that one, just not you mentioned it. Uh, he's got a series coming up, and I can't think of his bloody name. Cassian Andor. The, there we go, Cassian Andor. Yeah. I like that it was sort of like in that first shot that establishes him. You know, he has the moment where basically the guy kind of alerts him. You know, I've been made, and he's like, "It's okay, it'll be fine." Yeah, the guy turns yeah, yeah, his yeah. back and he shoots him, and it's right. like. Just establishes right there, like it is war, it is dirty, and both you know there's more complexities than you usually get in a Star Wars movie because you're this just is like good guys, yeah. bad guys. Right. This like, is not no. a good man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is well. I mean, he's doing what he has to do. You know what I mean? It's like he's right, a dirty, right. but he has to get his hands dirty, and he does. Yeah. And they didn't shy away from that. That's one thing I really appreciated about that movie. Well, because his struggle with whether or not to assassinate her father was, you know, like the, the key moral dilemma of the film, I, mm -hmm. I felt, uh, and like is yeah. like a huge development point for him. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah. Luckily, ultimately doesn't have to, but yeah, not that he survives the film, but still. Uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the ally uh, Republic uh, pilots take care of it for him. So. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Uh, so, okay. So do we want to do flip side and least favorite? Uh, I suspect we do. Can we just go ahead and automatically say that the holiday special does not count? What? What's the holiday special? Don't know what right, you're talking okay. about, Ryan. All right, fair enough. Because that's just too easy. Yeah, like that's a layup. <laughs> um, also, 
I've actually never seen the holiday special. Oh, I've come heard on. It's got awful. Oh, come on. How are we going to do a podcast on Star Wars and you haven't seen the holiday special? See, this is a little bit like the people that keep trying to get me to see Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween. It's like, okay, so what you're telling me is it sucks and it ruins everything I like about this? Yes. Okay, then why would I want to see it? But yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. It, it will shatter the illusion of Star Wars for you. Of course, um, that sentiment that I just kicked out has actually been thrown at a lot of other Star Wars properties now that we mention it. <laughs> Which I guess is, like you said, a good lead-in to least favorite outside of uh, the holiday special. Um, Yeah, go for it. That would be Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. That is my least favorite. Agreed. And my main reason for why, kind of to the point-counterpoint here, again, what does Empire do? It continues the story. It breaks the characters down. It shows the Empire still very strong. It brings about, you know, it basically, it puts them on the ropes. Yeah. You know, if you're using a, or to use a, like, a Rocky analogy, yeah, this is the part of the fight where you're not sure he's going to make it out of this. Yeah, right. And things go, but, you know, I mean, look what happens to Luke. Gets his freaking hand cut off. Yeah. Granted, they fix him a new one, which, for yeah. some reason, he never much replaced after that blaster bolt, but that's beside the point. Um... But, okay, you have that, but it sets up and it adds to the story and builds to it and builds up. And it's like, this is awesome. I can't wait to see what happens next. Mm. Mm. Perfect. You know, like I said, the perfect middle part, perfect part two. Attack of the Clones doubles down on an already weak part one. Yeah. It's like you see Phantom Menace, you're like, hmm, okay, well. That's a lot of CGI and wooden acting and very little character development. And yep. Vader's kind of annoying, so I guess that'll make hating him easier. This ought to be fun. <laughs> and then we get to episode two, and it's, again, this is the one that needs to do the heavy lifting. Yeah. And it feels like a lot of stuff was just kind of shoved in there. Like, even I, to a degree, and I hate to say this because I love Christopher Lee. He's my favorite Dracula. Yeah, even just the character of Count Dooku, it felt shoved in there. It felt like, uh, we need another Sith apprentice. Here, we'll just go with this guy who's probably twenty years older than Ian McDermott. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> you, uh, you're you're Sith Lord now, okay? And uh, like, even just from the title alone, I was just kind of like, ah, okay, great. And I remember the pitch being, you know, you're gonna finally get to see the Jedi, just bad they can be and right well, all their glory yeah well when they said all how bad they can be i thought they meant metaphorically but as it turns <laughs> out um yeah but basically it just it's see i i don't know almost scenery porn it's just like mostly about cgi or doing something to make the screen all busy and this that and the other it tells very little story and mm. the story that it does need to tell the meat of i don't think it does a very good job of which is Here's Anakin, here's Padme, and they fall in love. And it's like, uh, okay, well, sure didn't feel like they did, but I'll take your word for it. Matter of fact, I gave once, uh, basically one sentence review of The Phantom Menace, which actually speaks to a problem I have with Attack of the Clones, which was as follows. Jake Lloyd had better chemistry with Natalie Portman than did Hayden Christensen. Uh, for those of us listening who don't know who Jake Lloyd is, please fill us in on that one. That would be the first person to play young Anakin Skywalker in gotcha. Phantom Menace. <laughs> Good catch there. I get Good the instincts. joke now. <laughs> yeah, but <clears throat> the point of the matter is she had better chemistry with a nine-year-old than she did with a guy who's about her age. Yeah. And that by itself is a little bit of a problem because whether it's the wooden acting whether it's, you know, the wonderful Terrible dialogue, script. which uh, is not at all just god-awful. Like that yep. little bit about sand. Yeah. Yep. And don't get me wrong, there are certain parts in there, and I mean, this is kind of the case of all Star Wars movies. There's always something I can find that I like okay. Eh, it's kind of cool seeing the Jedi just get out there and open up a can of whoop-ass in its own sort of way. Oh, yeah. The Yoda thing was... Interesting from a fan servicey point of view. Although looking back on it, I'm like, oh God, why? Why did you do now, that? Yeah, and now when you watch it, you're just like, uh, uh. 
Yeah, like, people like, went that shit one crazy in the theater. And people yeah. went crazy in the theater when it happened. What, I remember that's that. the thing that's funny to me about it too. Like I remember I saw it with uh, mutual friends of ours, and mm-hmm. that's the Spencers. Mm-hmm. Not that that matters to anyone who's possibly listening to this, but whatever. Right. And we all came out pretty happy about it, and I think it's yeah. because of that fan servicey over the top ending. And right. then it's like, as per Star Wars geeks, went and saw it a handful more times. Like, hey, wait a minute, this movie sucks. <laughs> like just over the course of the summer, or about five viewings, and which spoiler. We're going to be talking about episode nine here in a little bit, and I, I find myself in very much the same position. Me, maybe not so much, but eh, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, that said, though, uh, just kind of putting a period on that sentence as far as uh, episode two goes. Like yeah. I said, though, the main meat of this. I also, by the way, I like the part where he goes back to Tatooine, finds his mother, and is basically driven by rage to go and massacre an entire absolutely uh, yeah. same person village like that did a good job of setting up basically why the jedi council was totally right about not doing this whole thing and why qui-gon ultimately was wrong i'll put quotes right. around wrong because again yeah sure it all worked itself out somehow eventually the force whatever after you know millions of people <clears throat> died yeah many times yeah. over yeah yeah, billions planets worth a couple, a, a solar system in one case. But yeah. Um. Anyway, to that point though, uh, so yeah, there's like little flickers of greatness in it, but overall, I think it was kind of just a big giant CGI over the top toy commercial mess, which failed to establish the main meat of the main relationship that it needed to to really make us all give a damn when it came time for Revenge of the Sith. Right, and, and and this this is the film where Obi Wan uh, goes and investigates the cloning facility, right, on Camino. Yeah, he's sort yeah. of playing detective the whole time. Yeah, and which I will I say, Ewan McGregor is the one thing about the prequels that I don't have a bad word to say about. Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. and I guess or that made it through all three of them. I don't I mean, have much bad to say about Maul or Qui Gon either, but they were both dead. Quotes around dead by the end of the first movie. But as far as him, yeah. he's the only one that came out of that where it's like, okay, he was good. But well, and, and Palpatine, uh, Ian McDermott, yeah, point, I yeah. guess, kind of. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, eh, he was in the others, so you know what I mean. It's like I almost kind of don't count him because while Obi Wan was in the others, Obi Wan was obviously not played by Ewan McGregor. Sure, okay, I got you. He would have been like eight. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, moving along. Uh, but yeah, I, do you have anything to add on episode two? Apparently, that's also your least favorite. So exactly for for those reasons, I, I remember there are points of it that I really enjoyed, like the, the scenes mm. on Camino. Um, but yeah, the, the you, yeah everything you touched on, and I think you could basically, if you really wanted to, kind of all the way around the prequel trilogies, it's like the sum of its parts better than the whole. Like the overall story is not bad. Mm. There's a lot mm. of memorable moments. There's a lot mm. of cool things that happen and then you get to the actual movies and it's just like maybe george lucas should have directed a few movies in between <laughs> the masterpiece here and these ones rather than just diving back in but right. oh well such is life uh with that in mind favorite character and go yeah i was having a hard time with this one um and <sighs> I think I have to go just again because of my first exposure to it. I have to say Luke mm-hmm. um, because he's the one I was, I was most familiar with and, and most firmly latched in my mind. And then going back and watching the original trilogy and seeing his growth from very annoying farm boy to the the Jedi quote master that we see at the beginning of Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi at Jabba's palace to finally confronting his father and, and overthrowing the Emperor. I um, I like I how just, for you that's kind of where he stops, and you don't well, mention, well, well, you know, I mean, his, his his other personal growth. No, but hermit um, PTSD. But sorry. Continue. Well, I, so um, I'm I'm speaking like early on my view of it. Yeah, like I, I saw him as um, the 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 hope that keeps driving him forward, and ultimately, you know, he keeps hoping that his father's a good man that mm-hmm. he can turn him, uh, and and that's what drives him. And I and we might talk about this 
more about well this could be a place like i i enjoyed the way that they portrayed luke uh in well i say the way they portrayed i liked and this is true for a lot of the uh, newest movies i liked a lot of the ideas i don't know that the execution was there so like i said that's the complete like that's the genesis of my problem with the prequels the idea i love the idea yeah it's the execution and uh, the idea there's a lot of that for me in the last jedi as well yeah sorry go ahead well the idea that luke views himself as this colossal failure and drives Mm. himself into exile and Mm. uh and and wallows in self-pity and loathing like i have no problem with that i enjoyed that and then eventually ray helping him find that that hope again and him bringing himself back into the fray man i you know that's a great story that turns what we view as the the ever the ever eternal hero of the first three movies into an actual person who has their failings and self-doubt and then overcomes like i yeah it could have been incredible i think as it was i didn't you know i didn't i wasn't scarred by seeing my childhood hero turned into um you know, someone shattered. Mm. And which I feel like we'll pick up on this a little more later. So I'll save my deeper thoughts on it. But mm. I, th- and I think I've mentioned this to you just for in conversation, but there's a lot I don't like about the last Jedi, but it does not sync up much with the common complaints. Right. If it makes any sense. And yeah, like yeah. I said, I think we can explore that a little further, maybe down the line, because there's yeah. really no way to talk about nine without talking about eight. Oh yeah, seven. So, uh, but with that in mind, so your favorite character, then you said Luke. Uh, yeah, I would say Luke, any, and then after that, yeah. after Luke, uh, Palpatine. I think. Hmm. Interesting yeah. choice. Yeah. I just, okay. I, well, I mean, I love the actor, and um, I think that was probably part of my favorite part of the prequels was getting to see the Emperor before he became the Emperor, and and how he maneuvered the system to put himself in power. I, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I can't argue with you there. And again, that's one of the things that if you want to point to what did work about the prequels, yeah, pretty well done. By Other than the fact, the, story that it, in general. the fact that it hinged on a character like Jar Jar Binks. Uh, yeah, kind of like makes you, yeah, exactly. It makes you make that sound. Uh, that was probably the weakest point of his ascendancy. Um, By the way, just a quick little aside. Uh, I think we've mentioned I've been trying to make my way through the Clone Wars to get ready for the final season of it, which comes out uh-huh. next month. Woo. And yeah, he's slightly less annoying in the Clone Wars, but that character is still very hard to sit through. Yeah, I think they thankfully they he does not play a major role in that series. He he pops in every now and uh, yeah. But there will definitely be like one or two episodes where it's like, oh, cool, it's Jar Jar doing Jar Jar things. Let's see if he uh, dies in this one. Yeah. And it's like, uh, oh, wait, so, no, that's right. He'll just hand the keys of the kingdom over to the Sith and destroy them all. Anyway. Yeah, uh, uh, side story, uh, and feel free to cut this if it doesn't fit in, but um, I remember going to see episode one, mm. my brother and some of our friends, and we were just flabbergasted with how awful um jar jar was and we went back to see it again of course um and at the point where they're at they're having dinner yeah, man can with, really only tell properly if he likes a star wars movie after viewing it a good six to seven times yeah, yeah sorry uh, uh, when they're having when they're having dinner with anakin and his mother and jar jar mm-hmm. you know snags the apple with his tongue and at the point where qui-gon catches That's his it. tongue yeah, yeah uh the, one of the, the guys we were with zach uh just yells out Cut his freaking head off! <laughs> and this little kid turns around, like sitting right in front of us, turns around with like tears in his eyes that somebody would dare try to kill J- his beloved Jar Jar. And I, that kid, and there, weird. and there lies the perfect and just one little story demonstration of what went quote unquote wrong with Star Wars. Yeah, you were out of you guys had aged out of the demo. Uh-huh. Child had not. Yeah, exactly. And there you go. Like, like that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> but um, the thing is, I remember I found Jar Jar off-putting, but at the same time, well, I mean, he's kind of supposed to be an annoying character. But as with many things, it's like I wasn't just completely. Uh, I, 
well, for one thing, I didn't have an internet to bitch on in 1999, really. Right, right. So, like, we were kind of late adapters to those computer gimmicks at oh, yeah. the old Whalen house. Yeah. But, like I said, I, I was not a fan of the character, but I didn't just come out of there like, okay, well, let's book a flight to San Francisco so I can kick George Lucas in the nuts. Yeah, right. Like, I was not just that level of, like, yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah. Or even about episode one, I was just kind of like, okay, well, that, that was as good as it should have been. That uh, was odd. Let's, yeah. Let's let's see how it goes in part two. Uh-huh. And part right. two was where I was just sort of like, okay, well, the Emperor is naked. Awesome. Right. Not the Galactic Emperor. I mean, no, no, metaphorically, I guess, I guess. George Lucas. But, yeah. And so are you... Are you then saying that Jar Jar is your favorite character? Is that where this is going? That's precisely what I'm saying, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. No, God, no. But I guess, just like I said, it's like I found him annoying, but, and I guess this is just kind of me in general. I tend to have sort of more moderate takes on things than maybe mm-hmm. certain members of any given fandom. Mm-hmm. Although when I, when I have one that's not moderate, it definitely comes up, as you've probably noticed over. 25 plus years of friend, actually probably more than 30 years of friendship at this point. But yeah. Um, so, but like I said, just, it, it didn't drive me quite as insane as it did a lot of people, but I do agree. He was an annoying character and yeah. I felt both it kind of got more annoying. And now both it's just by design. Like said, yeah. yeah. Both by design, annoying and in execution. Uh, right. Annoying. So, so actual favorite character for you? Actual favorite character for me. Uh, like you, it kind of took a little bit of thinking, and I'm going to go with Obi-Wan. Yeah, good choice. And I think part of that is because Obi-Wan is one of the main characters who manages to hold up across mm-hmm. pretty much every medium, and I really didn't have him in the sequels enough to do any serious damage to him or bring him up one way or the other. So there's that, but it's an enjoyable character in the first film and the subsequent ones. Uh, he's again, possibly the only enjoyable character in the prequels. Yep. Outside of maybe Palpatine. Uh, yeah, Mace Windu and Yoda are okay to a degree, but you know what I mean? Like as far as like actual primary main characters. Right. right. And so far seems to hold up in the Clone Wars and whatnot, so I would go with him. And I think a big part for me, and if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, I'm always kind of drawn to what you might describe as, I guess, kind of the Gandalf-type character. Mm -hmm. Kind of the wise and old, what have you. And that's basically what Obi-Wan is when you first meet him. Yeah. Sure. When I say first, I mean first as in movie that came out in 1977, not first as in episode one. Right. So there's that, and then effectively you get to see his earlier adventures, and like I said, I just think the character stands up all the way through. He's always intelligent, always makes the right decision, seems to be able to keep everything in check, and like recognizes his weaknesses and knows how to work around them, mm-hmm. which is something that many of his associates don't, leading to, I don't know, for example, genocide. But yeah, yeah. so also uh, the... Uh, the first Jedi to kill a Sith in a thousand years. No smart mm-hmm. Yeah. In a rather interesting and convoluted way. But yes. Yeah. And then for real fun, later got to kill him again. That's right. <laughs> Double kill. So, yeah. Did you ever delve into the extended universe? And of course, when I say the extended universe, I mean that which is basically since Disney purchased it, no longer can it. So anything that was out before, what, maybe 2012, 2013-ish? Around so uh, minimally. I I was never big into comics as a kid, really, that much. Mm. So I didn't read much of that. And then as far as the ridiculous amount of books that are out there for Star Wars, really the only ones that I um, read were a handful of Boba Fett books. Um and I can't even recall the names of them. I think it was just two of them, really, that I read uh, regarding like his escape from the Sarlacc and then just some random you know, heist adventure kind of thing that he did. Um, mm. That was really my only exposure beyond... I mean, I played video games um, like um, 
uh, the uh, crap. What's it called? The Dark there was Knights a first person, the, like the Jedi. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, it started as like Dark Forces, and there's Dark Forces yeah, 2, and Jedi Knight, or I'm Jedi Knight, Dark Forces 2, and then I think continuing on from there. Yes, those are the ones that I played. Um, and then anything, yeah, with Kyle Katar and those games. Although I did not get into um, the uh, the role playing game, the um, Knights of the Old Republic, thank or you. Yes. possibly just the Old Republic if you play right. the MMO. But the MMO. Continue, I mean, I've dabbled in them, but I, I never played them. As much as okay. I did um, the Jedi Knight ones, I read a couple of the comics. I read like Dark Empire, I believe, and maybe one or two others. Uh, I never really got into the novels that were like the Thrawn trilogy or anything that came after that. Right. And the main reason was like even then, and this would have been. It, it's kind of to describe kind of my Star Wars fandom, it's not that it lapsed, but it's like I was really big into it from like probably age three to probably about age five or six. And then, I don't know, I guess pop culture and whatnot kind of moved on. And I got back into it probably around age 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just literally a teacher brought in the uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, one day when it's like, here, we don't have anything. So uh, you guys are watching Return of the Jedi this week. Thanksgiving right. or something break, you know, where it's like, we have two days, we can't really get anything accomplished. Here, y'all watch this. Yeah. And that kind of like looped me back into it. And I remember like actually going and buying VHSs at that point, et cetera, et cetera, and the other. And at that point kind of started devouring, all, you know, trying to, you know, whatever I can get my hands on, I tried to get out there and find. Hmm. But a part of me avoided the novels mainly because I knew that in the blink of an eye at any given time, they could announce seven, eight, and nine and all this just goes away. Right. 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 Or at least it's fundamentally changed. Yeah. And I remember just like, I would walk through, you know, the sci-fi or fantasy section, kind of look up and you'd see after point looked at felt like hundreds and hundreds of star Wars novels. And it's like, uh, well, that's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then again, like I said, on top of that, just, you know, there is, so even at that age, it was a part of me. It was just like, I don't want to invest the time in this. And then one day he says, by the way, I'm making sequels, uh, everything that you've spent countless hours reading and whatnot. Never mind. Yeah. And I think that is another, you know, if you want to kind of talk like some of the angry Star Wars fans, I think that's probably a contingent of them come from or the people who yeah. did absolutely give their lives over to all that. And they're like, so that's just yeah. gone now. Blink of an eye. Great. So that's yeah. part of the reason why I never really got involved. Uh, that said, when it was stuff that was like before, I was a little more into it, like the older public stuff, the stuff that was like so far removed from the main story that it didn't really affect it. Like, yeah. I think Dark Empire was really the only thing that I ever read that was like post. And I'd never read any of the novels, but uh, to your earlier point about the video game, uh, Knights of the Old Republic is probably to this day, I'd say in my top five video games ever. Mm. And I very much loved that game. Mm. I don't want to go into too much detail about it. I'm I'm assuming some people who are listening know everything about it. But basically, this is a mild spoiler, but uh, it's a video game that's been out since 2003. And no offense, Ryan, if you haven't played it, that's on you. Yeah. But basically, you spend the first half of the game hunting this mysterious character named Darth Revan as this newfangled Jedi with amnesia. And about the middle part of the game, you realize you're Darth Revan. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it's a game made by Bioware, which is a company that's kind of big on like forcing choice, shall we say? And yep. that game makes you make a lot of choices. So yeah, and it's one of those things that people always kind of talk about the idea of you know it'd be awesome. They need to make a night. It's nice the old Republic movie. They need to they need to make a Dark Revan movie. Blah, blah blah blah. And it's like I'm not bothered by the idea of Dark Revan being introduced back into Star Wars canon in some regard. I think technically. If you take a look at like the guidebook or something about episode nine, he kind of sort of is already. Yeah, right. But I don't need a Knights of the Old Republic movie. And the main reason for that is because Knights of the Old Republic, the game does something that a movie can never quite do. It's like, yeah, you can tell that story. When you're playing the game, it's like you're experiencing that. 
Well, I mean, video games are a storytelling medium that gives you so much more involvement in the story than movies can. Right. Um, So it's like on a more personal level, it's like you are Evan or yeah, or when you're playing and when I'm playing, I am Revan and what have you. And that's something that, yeah, like I said, you can replicate that in a movie, but it's like also just with that level, it's like you're never going to quite nail it to the point where everybody's happy, which is impossible yeah. to do anyway with Star Wars fans, particularly now, or yeah. maybe any fans. But yeah. so I would be okay with seeing the character in a movie about the character, but I don't want to see a movie about that particular point in the character's existence. Yeah. yeah. And that's why. But like I said, that and uh, I've never really been that big into MMOs. I did play Star Wars The Old Republic, and the primary reason I did play it was because it was a continuation of Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic 2. And it was very story-driven. Most MMOs aren't, so... I, I, I basically it really refreshing. Yeah, I basically went through and played through most of the story c- content. Anytime they would drop more, would go through and play through it again, and then mm-hmm. kind of hang it up. I'm actually running through it again at the moment because... I don't know. It's as, lightsaber season. As we, shall we speak, say. he is grinding yeah. through lower level missions. <laughs> That'll show those Twi'leks. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I I mean, recently I started going back and reading some of the comics just because they my uh, my local public library has a really good graphic novel um, mm-hmm. collection. So when I you say some of them, do you mean some of them like well, like Shattered Empire? Or, okay. Um, yeah, gotcha. yeah, I think I think so. Uh, Vader Down was like a one-off story of Vader crash landing on a planet. and That's like, actually part of the new continuity, if I recall. Is it? I think is that's, it? If it, it? Well, here's a pretty easy sum up. If it's published by Marvel and it's after, like I said, like after about 2012, canon. Gotcha. If it's published by Dark Horse, it is not. Uh-huh. So, uh, there you go. I think Shattered well, Empire one... might, I'm not sure about that one. Anyway, though, continue. Yeah, so that one, and then uh, and I, uh, apologies to everyone. I am so bad with titles and with names of things. I just remember moments that I read and went, "Oh, I really like that." So down, I, I think is the actual title of it. Um, mm. And then there's another one I can't remember the name of, but it the the focus is Palpatine is pitting Vader versus Darth Maul um, to make sure that he's worthy as his apprentice. Um, and hmm. the the fight between them was fantastic. It it has a pretty like you get to the end of it and there you just kind of have this massive eye roll uh, moment uh, at the end of it. So I, I won't say anything beyond that. Hmm. But uh, I like mm-hmm. the premise. And I George liked, Lucas fashion. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the, well, the one of the things I loved about Vader Down is you get to see how dangerous and badass Darth Vader is and we get a great glimpse of that at the end of Rogue One but that's that's really all we truly see of him being just a killing machine um yeah that was one of my favorite parts of Rogue One actually yeah. was finally actually getting to see Vader in action as opposed to here's Anakin running around doing stuff yeah. and then comes his fateful little duel on Mustafar and uh all right. Yeah. Well, now the movie's over. Yeah, but or he's dressed up as Vader now. The movie's over. I mean, but but, yeah, but Vader as an actual like force of nature mm-hmm. and an embodiment of hatred. You know. Oh my gosh, that was. I I yeah. still get chills every time I watch that sequence. Yeah. So I guess that actually we kind of led into the next mm-hmm. question on the outline by asking that, which was, did you keep up with any of the new supplemental material? And technically, yeah, yeah, yeah you did because you just described one of them. Um, I don't actually know. If the uh, Vader versus Maul thing is part of the new or part of the old, yeah, but I definitely want to read it now. Yeah. So there's that. Continue on uh, with the new supplemental material. So I guess the answer for you is kind of sort of. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, as with all things, I, I kind of dabble and I, I don't mm. maybe dive in too deep. I mean, really, the only fandom that I am just all in on is Tolkien. Uh, and so, you know, that. Everything else has been like, oh, I enjoy this about it, or I enjoy, you know, and I kind of, you know, I encounter it, I enjoy it, but I may not dive in Mm. super deep. I guess for me, All In is a song of ice and fire, Mm. but there's kind of a point where it's like, well, um, still waiting for it to finish, (laughs) so that's fine. And if I don't know what I know now, I don't know that I would have 
like if I had known that it was going to be literally 2020 and still no book five or no, wait, we have book five, yeah, book six. still no book six and no book seven and not only that, but not anywhere in sight. Oh, and by the way, a TV show about it has already finished its run. Yeah. I don't know that I would have started reading them. So yeah, uh, thanks for that. My well, glorious ex who shall remain nameless. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> and I saw a great uh, tweet the other day that, you know, basically stating, uh, how incredible is it that Game of Thrones went from cultural phenomenon to nobody wants to talk about it because it ended so badly? Um, I think I saw that same tweet and mm. I seem to recall to someone at least tearing that tweet to shreds because the fact <laughs> of the matter is if you are in our, any way, shape or form saying that Game of Thrones is not culturally relevant, you're a moron. We wouldn't have the well, Witcher without it. We wouldn't have the billion-dollar Lord of the Rings series without it. We wouldn't have the Wheel True. of Time coming. We wouldn't have, oh, get this, a straight-to-series Game of Thrones prequel coming without it. It was culturally relevant no matter how you feel about Dragon Hitler. Anyway. <clears throat> well, that's true. But if you, as far as a fandom, uh, I, I think... We're totally cutting this. I hope you know. Anyway, sorry. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, because yeah. we're totally off on something else. Yeah. But the idea that, uh, you know, whereas before... People were like adamant, like, oh, my God, you, you don't watch Game of Thrones. You need to watch Game of Thrones. Now, afterwards, mm. at the end of it, they're just kind of like, um, don't don't bother. You know, like, it, well, yeah, depends on yeah. the people, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's one of the things. Social media has a way of making it sound like the world thinks X, Y or Z when a lot of times. Yeah. No, the world doesn't think anything or True point. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole lot of silent people out there that like it just fine and don't bitch on the internet and voila. Right. But yeah. But yeah. And don't get me wrong. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I definitely want to do a, like a deep dive on game of Thrones one of these days with you mm. because you're one of the only other people that's as up on it as I am. Right. And we do feel differently and can converse about it without stabbing each other. So yeah. That's fun. <laughs> well, well, that's just because we're talking through the phone. We can be in the same room. Yeah. I trust you around some sharp objects. Anyway. All right. Let's but, get back uh, to Star Wars. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I guess for me, as far as the supplemental material goes, the new stuff, I have read a handful of the comics. Uh, I basically would say some of them I've enjoyed and some of them I haven't. Like the one that's mm. like the primary ongoing one that takes place like right after New Hope really didn't grab me quite as much. I've liked the Vader stuff. Uh, I've mm. not read Vader down, but like there have been a couple of like just Vader standalone series that have run for whatever. And th those are the ones that I kind of enjoy because I like seeing, like you mentioned earlier, the story of, all right, just what exactly are we dealing with here? Yeah. Post, you know, where you get to see Vader be Vader and not just be, again, somewhere in between Anakin, but he's bad now and shadowy yeah. figure who gets a little more exposed as time goes on. Um, right. I'm currently reading the rise of Kylo Ren because, well, uh, certain questions weren't quite answered <laughs> enough to my liking in <laughs> right. the three bloated movies we got. And uh, yeah. I'll save that rant, but we'll see. Also, I played fall in order. That's the newest video game that came I out. Not yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, it's one of those, uh, it, if you were just play straight through, it's probably not that long of a game, but it's like, as far as like, if you ever want to play around with an action game where it's like, Oh, cool. This is what it's like to be a freaking Jedi. This is mm. the game for you. There's not a lot of choice in it. You're kind of on the rails, but still it's, yeah, you know, it's fun. It's worth playing. It's especially worth playing if you're a Star Wars fan. Sure. Um, but I haven't read any of the novels. I'm aware of like what happened in some of them just because I, I don't know. I kind of like to keep up with, you know, just a little bits of supplemental material sometimes, but not actually go to the trouble to read a 400 page novel about it. Like, right. I just want to know it's, I want the information. I don't want to necessarily read the book a lot of times when it comes to supplemental material. So outside of a couple, you know, like I said, the comics that I mentioned, the game, that's about it. And, uh, that's kind of how I'll stay and just, Something that I'll mention before we continue on with that. I do hope the brass at the top of Lucasfilm understands that there are a lot of Star Wars fans who are absolutely never going to touch any of this. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, no, they'll watch the movies. They might subscribe to Disney Plus and watch the TV shows. They might watch Clone Wars, but there are certain people they're just they're never going to play the games. There are certain people they're never going to read the comics. They're never going to read the novels. They're especially not going to do all of it. And right. as such, heavy lifting needs to be done in the primary with, mediums. With yeah, exactly. I'm right. I'm right there with you. Uh, with that said, uh, moving along, uh, let's see. We're only uh, 31 minutes over our allotted 30-minute time period for this, so this ought to be good. Lightsaber color choice and why. Oh, yeah, yeah. Getting to the real the heavy lifting here. That's where we are. Uh, I hear they're pretty so, light. I'll think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, again, like my first exposure to lightsabers was that green... Um, um, which Luke's uh, lightsaber in Return of the Jedi, I always thought of the blade as being thicker. And so then when I went back and saw, you know, the early versions of the blades in, in Star Wars New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, I'm just kind of like, oh, those look kind of puny compared to what they gave us in Return of the Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't gone back to look at it. I mean, this is, again, just like my childhood perception of it uh, that kind of carried over. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that's just special effects getting better between. Yes. And and that's one thing, like, everybody say what you will about George Lucas. George Lucas did a lot to bring special effects forward yeah. as a medium. You know, yeah, ILM okay. by itself. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. Continue. Uh, um, so, like, green would be my go-to, but anytime I played any of the games where I could choose my own lightsaber color, um, um, Jedi Knight 2, um, mm-hmm. which I think had the best lightsaber combat of any of the games, um, like someone I think who I always has not played Fallen Order. Sorry, continue. <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it felt more like your stance mattered, your timing mattered, running up the wall while force pushing, while attacking. Uh, it, there was a okay. Lot maybe more. that was a little more in depth than I thought it was. Because oh yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Continue. It was brilliant. And then if you if you enabled the dismemberment uh, with the code, then oh man, there's arms flying everywhere. Anyway. Uh, my lightsaber so was have a very orange. R-rated Star Wars. So yeah, continue. Uh, mm-hmm. my lightsaber was always orange in that game. So. Interesting. Okay, I don't have a reason uh, why. Uh, maybe just because you didn't get to see it that often on the screen. So mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. My personal choice was same color as this one I'm holding right here, right now. Um, we we can't see it. Oh no, you can't. I'm audio building anticipation. Patient. Oh, my bad. Okay, sorry. sorry. No. Which is purple. There you go. Is it purple or is it amethyst? My head hurts now. Um, (laughs) I'm going with the word purple. If they want to call it amethyst, they may, but whatever. The purple one. The one that's Mm. the color of Samuel L. Jackson's. Uh, And of course, I guess the story behind why he had a purple one is pretty well known. He asked for a purple one, and he wanted to be able to spot himself in the battle. And, you know, you see a sea of blue and green ones. Maybe a little hard to find yourself. But it's kind of funny because my favorite color is actually red. And so there was a time in my life where probably if you'd asked me, I would have just, oh, red. Like before purple was on the board. Mm. And that was sort of despite the, I guess, the Sith affiliation. And I've always felt kind of like the Sith got the short end of the stick on that. Yeah. Whether it's the old mythology or the new mythology, because it's like, yeah, whatever they do, it's red. And yeah. there's really not much more to it than that. And so I was always like, okay, well, it seems like the Jedi have a whole bunch more options. Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, and yeah. purple, like the minute I saw Mace Windu blast out the purple one, and which again, to my point earlier about episode two, you have those moments where it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. And that was yeah. kind of one of those, like, oh, oh, yeah, he's got a purple one. Badass. So <laughs> that sort of became like my go-to color from that moment. Like, to your point in the games, any game I ever play, I always wind up playing with a purple one. That's mm. that happened in Nice the Republic. That happened eventually in Fallen Order. That happened in, well, and still happens in Star Wars, the Old Republic. And mm. I guess technically it's happening right now because I've got this purple one right here, which I'm going to put up now. But, yeah. So, that's always been my go-to color. Uh, something is a little bit of a side jaunt, but 
I was just curious if you had heard about this or not. Um, apparently something that now they offer at Disney and, you know, now they've all uh, opened, I, I forget the technical term for it, but Galaxy's Edge or right, Star right. Wars Land or, or, or Walt Star Wars World, whatever the hell they're calling it. Uh, <laughs> they have apparently some sort of a deal. I think it costs $200 where you basically go through and build your own lightsaber. Sure. Yeah. And there's this unholy part of me that's like, yeah, I like if I <laughs> ever go back to Disneyland or Disney World, it's like, yeah, no, I totally have to do that. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, Would you or probably not? No, no, I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it, uh, just for the the sheer dollar amount of it, uh, and it's not, uh, like I know you, you have a, a long pricey, history yes. of. You have a well, it is, but you have a long history of collecting film blades, and you have a really great collection. Yeah, uh, and I, I do not, and so not, it was, not just the light up kind either, right? Uh, so it's not something that I, I've mm. ever done before, and so it's probably not, not something I would start doing. It's, it's cool. Which actually it occurred to me the other day when I was kind of looking at a couple of those, you know, mounted and whatnot. It was like, oh yeah, that's right. I think you and I had an impromptu lightsaber battle. In college, yeah. out on my front lawn once. Yep, I can't I'm remember if you had the blue sure. one or the red one. I think I had the red one, but I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're just gonna go ahead and say I I won that deal. Yeah, sure. We can go ahead and say that. Wouldn't be true, but we can go ahead and say that's it. What, so, yeah, anyway. well, that's what we're gonna say. <laughs> but you know what? All right, fine then. I'll, I'll be up in DFW again in the near future. Oh, I'll bring a couple. We'll have us rematch on your front there lawn this time. Yeah, home yeah. field advantage. Yeah. See if we don't get arrested. Just give me a blaster. Something I wanted to mention. I did think this was interesting. We were kind of looking it up. There's apparently a vastly larger number of canonical lightsaber colors than we've actually really ever seen in the movies. You, of course, have red. You got sure. blue, green, and purple. And then you have indigo and magenta and your aforementioned orange. You have white, mm -hmm. which, uh, let's see, Ahsoka, I believe, has those. Which there's a story behind that, but yeah, that's for other people again mm -hmm. too, not us. And then yellow, which we did finally see in a movie, right there towards the end of it. At episode yeah, nine. don't get me started on that. Which, well, I will when we're actually because yeah, we're about to go nine, there. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that's one of those like uh, I don't know. It, it is interesting to me. Uh, uh, also, cyan, yeah, and of course the dark yeah. saber, kind of sort of sure but yeah. the yeah. It, it is interesting to me that there's a lot of these that are established as like canonical and yet still for the most part if you're whether it's watching a cartoon or watching a movie it's like uh here's blue here's green here's red yep. and that's about it and occasionally there's purple it's, it's the norm or, and may i say like i was confused as hell as a kid when we've got darth vader with a red lightsaber and luke the good guy with a green lightsaber but the TIE fighters shoot green lasers and the X-Wings shoot red lasers. I was so mad as a kid that they couldn't keep that consistent. I always remember wondering about that because it never made any sense to me either. Uh, I didn't <laughs> delve into detail to figure out why. I just remember thinking, right. okay, if this is the case, then shouldn't... Okay, whatever. Lasers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who, blah, blah. who made this choice? Yeah. But yeah. Um, also, I this seems like a good time for a nice little mini rant just about Star Wars toys in general, which is, uh, okay, that purple lightsaber I just uh -huh. turned on just for the hell of it. Yeah. Um, I bought that. Oh, let's see. No, actually, I didn't buy that. I got that as a Christmas present at age 38. Mm -hmm. And sure, <laughs> probably you're thinking, emotionally crippled man-child. And you're not necessarily <laughs> wrong. That aside, here's the fun thing about growing up in my age range to a degree your age range uh yeah. when it came to star wars toys which is to say i know they're collectible i know if you have an entire unopened collection of them you, you could sell them and buy a freaking mansion be a millionaire but they sucked yeah and i don't really think they get enough credit for that like <laughs> the, the little action figures suck there was no kung fu grip there was no articulation just yeah uh, uh here they are they've got these little you pull the edge out here and there's this little plastic thing that vaguely kind of resembles a lightsaber. Yep. Yay. And then there was the toy lightsabers themselves, which I still have one of these somewhere. It was just this piece of plastic with like a green end on it or a red end on it or a blade 
quote unquote. And mm. when you swung it, air would pass through it and it would whistle. And it yeah. was just like, seriously? And then I remember about the time, of course, about the time I got to high school and, you know, it being high school, this is when you have to renounce all this or be a pariah. Yeah. That's when they started releasing good Star Wars toys. And I remember just like <laughs> walking through like some of the Walmart or whatnot, looking over and being like, oh, there's Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. And these were not like the the expensive, you know, yeah. collectible versions. These were like the ones that probably, I don't know, $30, maybe 40 but the ones that you slung and then, you know, would turn on and whatnot. And it's just like, mm. and I, I remember looking at that and just thinking what I would have given for that, like a decade before this, or maybe <laughs> even five years before this. And here and we then, are. And then you, and, you have some yeah. hard choices to make. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, come on. And then on top of that, now the prequels come out however many years later and then they start releasing like the really nice replicas like they have now like mm-hmm. the one that has the sound effects and well i guess they all have the same. but you know the one that has yeah. like i said the one that actually resembles the thing in the movie and right. makes a sound when you're playing against it and everything and i'm just looking at that even more going okay yeah i would have especially given anything for that as a kid and then and then the ones that are and, actually designed for dueling and for actual use those are great but it's like between that and like the, I remember a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, their kid got a, like a hovering millennium Falcon. Like, I guess it was kind of oh, like yeah. drone operated for Christmas. Uh-huh. And I was just sitting there just kind of like, like, oh, that's nice. And thinking to myself, this is bullshit. <laughs> anyway, 